Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running Podcast. My name is Liz, and I will be your host. I'm so excited to have you here for today's episode because it's kicking off National Eating Disorders Awareness Week. And this week, I just wanted to really raise awareness. So I'm starting the week off with one of three episodes. Today is with Athena from Finding My Fit Podcast. And so I hope you get a chance to sit back and enjoy. So I'm so excited to have Athena on the show today. She is the owner of the Finding My Fit podcast, and I was just really excited to kind of reach out to her. And I think that we had a lot in common just in terms of, you know, similar podcasts and I think just what we can bring to the podcast space. So I'm really excited to have her on the show today. Athena, did you want to take a chance to kind of introduce yourself and talk about your podcast? Yeah, of course. So first, thank you for having me on. I'm super excited for our collaboration. So hi, everybody. I'm Athena. I'm host of the Finding My Fit podcast. Um, the, my podcast is based around health, fitness, um, nutrition, but I do like to throw in a little bit about mindset and positivity, um, especially after the year that we've all just had with 2020. I think it's important to try and remain positive. Um, so I'm from the UK, as you can probably tell from my accent. Um, I'm nearly 25. Um, and at the moment, I'm living in Liverpool, which is in the north of England and yeah I guess that's pretty much everything about me really (laughs) awesome I didn't know you were almost 25 I'm actually going to be 25 next month (laughs) oh really yeah Yeah. (laughs) a lot of people think I'm way younger like some people people say to me they think I'm about 20 so Mm -hmm. I'll take that I want to look younger (laughs) (laughs) keep it going as we get older (laughs) yeah so I kind of wanted to just get started and so basically what we wanted to really speak about today is what I I think we have a lot in common in terms of this all kind of stemmed from when I first saw you release your and publish your book, which by the way, congratulations. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I think it was, and it's a, explain to me again, it's like a journal about eating disorders or like for um, people that may be struggling with eating disorders, right? Yeah, it's literally, it's, it's quite literally my journey. So my kind of story um, from start to finish about my eating disorder. So I kept quite a lot of diaries um when I was going through my illness I wrote quite a lot like every single day so I pulled all of those out and I kind of went through them and I inserted um kind of bits of my actual diary into the book to kind of follow along with the story and to really show people inside the mind of someone who is going through an eating disorder because I think I don't know I think a lot of people don't really understand very much about them and unless you've been through one or you've been very close to someone who's been through one I don't I I think a lot of people just don't really understand them so my book was partly just to kind of tell people my story but also to um just open people's eyes into the world of eating disorders yeah and I hope we get to do that today with our episode as well and I think when I saw um or seen your posts about you know publishing that I just felt like I resonated so much with it. And I felt very similar in the sense that when I was in my eating disorder back when I was about 16, I don't think there was just very much portrayal in the media about, you know, what, you know, what an eating disorder is, how bad they can truly get. And I feel like, you know, at the time that I was in my eating disorder, I feel like your book could have been something that would have been so helpful because it truly felt like no one 
else could really understand what I was going through and kind of like the magnitude of how bad it really was. Because I think a lot of people look at eating disorders and they're like, that's not an illness. You know, you just need to eat. And it's like, it's, it's so much deeper than that. And I, I hated hearing that so much because, you know, especially my recovery, I just remember being and thinking like, you know, I want to eat, I actually do so badly, but there's so much that I'm fighting against within myself. Yeah. I can relate to that so much, especially the, like the comments that people make of even now, when I speak about it to some people, they say, Oh, like, could you not just eat? And I'm like, no like I mean I can I could easily go to the cupboard and eat something but like you said there's so much inside you that you're fighting against there's these voices not like not literally but like there's you know you're telling yourself you could eat this but then you're going to feel so guilty or you're going to be out of control or whatever the reason is inside your head it's stopping you from doing what you know you should be doing which is eating more or not exercising as much but it is just like this mental block it's so difficult to explain to like somebody who hasn't been through it yeah I think I remember my mom asking me really early on kind of when she first found out that I had an eating disorder and when the doctor gave it a label and kind of diagnosed it as anorexia I remember her asking me like why would you do this to yourself and I remember being like I don't know how to answer that question and I think for me though personally I've now been able to kind of tie it back to being bullied in middle school and kind of that being the first instance where I let someone else's opinions kind of affect me and it was the first time that I kind of it made me look at myself a lot more than I used to and it's sad because it was such a young age I think around like 13 or 14 and so like I remember before then I was so carefree and I used to just play sports and you know you are burning so many calories as a kid running around playing sports and so I just eat whatever whenever like dino chicken nuggets the you know corn dogs on a stick like it was just like there's not a care in the world and then as soon as this girl started targeting me at school and it was both in school and online and just you know cyberbullying is just a whole nother degree of you know that can really traumatize someone I think because she would just make you know all these accounts and say the nastiest things and I think you know the minute that I started letting her thoughts become my own opinions of myself is when the eating disorder kind of started to build I almost feel like because then it was like you're too fat you're not working out enough you're not you're eating too much and it's all these things that kind of stemmed from all these negative opinions on of this one person it's crazy how much other people's comments can affect you and to them they probably don't think it's a very big deal but to you it causes all of these issues and it's kind of scary like that other people can have such an effect on you when it comes to my eating disorder I really don't know and I spoke about this in my book I can't pinpoint one exact thing that would have caused me to develop such a severe eating disorder I do remember around like the age of maybe 11 or 12 because my eating disorder started at 13 and I do remember within the couple of years before it developed kind of looking at like watching like music videos of celebrities um, and singers who obviously have really amazing bodies and I always remember that first initial thought of I don't look like that or like how can I look like that and in my head I thought well I need to lose weight I need to exercise more and it really just started from that initial thought and then I do have quite um, an obsessive personality or in I'm kind of like a perfectionist so once I've set my mind 
into something I, I want to do it really well and I think that's kind of what happened with when I started exercising and I started restricting my food I thought wow like I can do this and then it just got a little bit more every single day till it got to the point where that was the like I had to do it it was like compulsion mm-hmm. so yeah I, I can't really pinpoint one exact thing but I think definitely celebrities and like TV culture probably um, pushed me towards it quite significantly. Yeah, I think social media and kind of seeing all those, you know, models and celebrities online and seeing just what they're, you know, they're obviously all very fit, very skinny. And for me, it also kind of also related to the fact that like at the time that I was kind of in the first few stages of the eating disorder, I was playing on the varsity volleyball team in high school. And that's just like, you know, all the girls were really tall, really skinny. And, you know, you're wearing like Spanx, like, and you're kind of just like wearing very tight clothing. So everything kind of gets shown. And I was living in Southern California at the time. And so like, everyone's like blonde, blue eyed, and like, just really, you know, obviously, like, I'm not (laughs) blonde and blue eyed by any means. But um, I think it was just hard, because it was like, you know, watching girls, and this is like, so specific, but like, even like running around and just like, nothing's like, you know, moving. And it's just like, everyone's very skinny and very tight and fit. And like, for me, like, I've had like, this is so random, but like, I've, I kind of like got my boobs when I was like in middle school. And so I was always really insecure about things like this, where I was like, why aren't the other girls as, you know, curvy or as big as me? And um, I feel like that kind of fed as well into just, you know, this building of an insecurity for myself. Mm, what what age is middle school in America? Middle school is about from like ages 12 to 14. So almost like similarly to when you were talking about, you know, that age of 13. And I feel like that's kind of when, you know, you're, you're starting to get into your teenage years and you start to kind of grow up a little bit, but you're also still like in those puberty stages where you're still kind of developing and your body's developing and you're confused and then you got hormones and it's just all very confusing. Yeah, oh, it's, it's not really a very nice age, I've got to admit. So that is, I, I started, because like, I was always, I wasn't like, I was a, like a little bit overweight, I would say, as like, as I got into like the ages of like 10, 11, 12. I wasn't like, I wasn't really, really overweight, but I was a little bit, I guess. Um, And I don't really, I don't like saying that because obviously as a child, you, you shouldn't really be focusing on what weight you are. But I do always remember thinking, all of my friends are smaller than me and especially my best friend I remember my best friend around that age was naturally very very slim but it was it wasn't an eating disorder she was just naturally very slim and I always used to compare myself to her and I think that just being surrounded by people that are a different body shape to you at that age you don't quite you don't think oh well everybody's different because that's how I would think of it now. I don't really l- compare my body to other people's now because I realise that we're all different and what one person um, genetically is like genetically their body might be predetermined to be a completely different shape to yours and I I think back at that age you don't really think about that you just kind of think why do I not look like that yeah it's and you're right it's not something that you should be thinking about at that age but I I was feeling and thinking the same thing and I wouldn't 
like you, I, I don't want to call myself overweight, but I definitely was just a little bit like bigger and a little bit heftier than the other girls, both in, you know, I, I played soccer and volleyball and I just kind of, it was always just like something that I kind of observed and noted because you're around your teammates so much and you're playing so closely with each other that you kind of just realize these things quite quickly. And I think then when you're kind of letting, you know, these outside outlets of like social media and what you're seeing in the, in the media, it kind of then builds these thoughts of not being good enough. And so I think, yeah, for me, that's kind of like what I feel like I could pinpoint, but I don't feel like I can like, honestly say that, you know, this bully called caused an eating disorder, because I don't, I think it was just those thoughts that kind of began of being negative thoughts of myself. And then, then I think an eating disorder just kind of transpired over time. And I think it's just, it is something that I just feel like people like you were saying, just can't possibly understand unless you have known someone close to you that has experienced one or if you've gone through one yourself. And so I think it's just, it's, it's something that I think, you know, still to this day needs so much more media coverage and needs so much more insights and like research, just because I think, you know, when you I feel like almost sometimes when I'm telling people like, oh yeah, like I struggled with anorexia when I was 16, 17, 18. And I feel like some people kind of look at that and think, oh, she starved herself for two years. And it's like, I didn't like specifically just want to starve myself for two years. That wasn't like a life goal of mine. And, you know, it's like a mental illness that you're struggling with. And I don't know about you, but I feel like the recovery process is just like even worse and even harder than the eating disorder itself. It's one of the hardest things that you will ever go through if you suffer with an eating disorder Uh, so they're so misunderstood because a lot of people see anorexia as a physical illness so they see it as oh they're just underweight so just eat some more and you're cured you're recovered but it's a mental disorder it's not as easy as treating the physical symptoms because if you put weight on like if you if you're an anorexic and you go into hospital say and they weight restore you but they don't work on your mind you're literally going to come out of hospital go back to doing exactly what you were doing before lose all the weight again because it's not about just feeding you it's about working on your mind and changing the thoughts that you have because if you're having these intrusive thoughts of why am i not look why am i not skinny as this person or why can't i exercise as much as this person then those thoughts are going to cause you to act a certain way which is to restrict to exercise more to compare yourself to other people so if you don't target the thoughts then that person's just going to stay anorexic yeah I totally agree and I think for me personally like a lot of my recovery journey was working on the mental part and so I had a therapist for a few years who was great and I but I specifically remember that I went to like my parents had tried to have me go to group therapy at one point and it was before we actually moved to a different state in the U.S. and I remember that this was one of like the first times that I kind of realized like this this isn't what I want to do. This isn't what I want to, you know, continue to struggle with for the rest of my life. Because I remember going to this group therapy session and it almost feels like, you know, what you see in movies is like AA meetings. Cause it was like these, you know, people in a circle and you're going around and you're saying your name and you're talking about your illness. And 
I just remember specifically seeing one woman there and she was like a lot older than me. She must have been like in her 50s or 60s. And she brought this lunch pail with her. And she was talking about how it's like the same lunch that she has every day because she knows, you know, the exact ingredients, calories and everything that goes in it. And I I just kind of looked at her and I said, that's not what I want to be doing when I'm 50 or 60. And obviously I felt for her and I was like, that's terrible that she struggled with it for so long and most of her life. But, but that's the reality of the illness is that some people will struggle for the majority of their lives and it's the saddest thing yeah some people literally will never recover from it and then there's some people who partially recover so they they learn to manage it and they live with the eating disorder and stay kind of healthy but they still have the thoughts and then you do get people um who fully recover which is um, a not that many people really like I think most of the people I've met who have suffered with an eating disorder are either still suffering they're in recovery or they're at the stage where they manage it but it's not it's still there in the background and it is really sad because I can't imagine living like I did for all those years for the rest of my life but I do remember like when I was in the middle of my eating disorder when I was maybe like 15 or 16 I always remember saying to my dad like I'm never going to recover from this because at the time I just I couldn't I couldn't imagine not living with it I couldn't imagine being like normal and not having these horrible thoughts and yet all these years later here I am like recovered and it does feel amazing to like see how far I've come yeah I agree and I think like a lot of recovery is like kind of it feels like you're going up a hill this really really steep hill and it feels like you keep falling back and you keep tripping and you keep falling backwards and you keep having to start at the beginning and I feel like that was a lot of what I struggled with in terms of just like at first I kind of just thought okay well I just need to put on weight again and I think because of the way that I was treating my body I was still continuing to lose weight quite drastically I would it was weird because I like suddenly I kind of flipped that part of my mind of like okay, stop losing weight. It's not good. You know, we've gotten to a point where it's not healthy and it got to a point where I was trying to eat more and it was as hard as it was, I was really trying. And then I would go and check like my weight and I would get so frustrated when it was still dropping. And I think, I I think that was just not very healthy. I think in its own sense, just because I was still kind of relying on the numbers to, you know, tell me whether or not I was healthy. And I think, I think the whole notion, this is a little bit random, but just of, I don't know if you guys, um, use the BMI scale in the UK, but just kind of like, you know, what weight versus age versus height, kind of like what means you're healthy, what means you're overweight. And like, I think when I was at my lowest weight is when I, it was, it finally said that I was healthy on this scale, which is just not true because I had a lot of internal stuff that was going on that like just wasn't healthy at all. And like one of those things was that I lost my period for two years. And I feel like that's, that's something that a lot of people with eating disorders may struggle with. And I think when I was going through that, one of the scariest things about that was the doctor saying, you know, if you don't recover, you may not be able to bear children or you might have a hard time bearing children when you're older. And I think that that was just really hard to hear that. Like I had put myself through so much malnutrition that my whole reproductive system was just totally screwed up that I wasn't even having periods. And I still remember the day that I finally got my period back and I called my dad and he was at work and he and I just started crying over the phone because it was so hard to get back. And it's just like, you know, recovery 
is just like, it takes so much time. And I think it took longer than my own eating disorder in itself to really get back on track. Mm, yeah, a few points from what you said, we, we do use the BMI scale in the UK. I really don't like the BMI scale because it's so inaccurate. Like you said, it doesn't take into account like the muscle to fat ratio in like there's athletes that are super, super lean, really muscly, but and have n- no body fat. And they will be classed as obese because they have a lot of muscle. So I really don't like the BMI scale. Um, and I also lost my period. So I, I started my period when I was 11. Um, and so I had it kind of consistently for about two years before I lost it when I was 13. And I didn't have a period until last year. Wow. So I didn't have one for 11 years, which is a ridiculously long amount of time. And even now it's still quite irregular. Like I don't, my cycle hasn't come back nice and consistently, which still worries me to this day because it was so long that my ovaries were asleep. And it's, it's horrible because you think once you've recovered, that's it. Like it's in the past. It's, it's not affecting me anymore, but it it still is because you, you ruin your body so much that it's, it takes it a long time to fully recover and to bounce back to what it should be um with with things like your period or your bone density um so I had a scan when did I have it it was it must have been about I can't remember a few years ago um and they told me that I had osteoporosis in my hips and my spine Mm. so I'm gonna have that forever and that is because of my eating disorder so it's it's just it's horrible and scary that you do still live with some of the repercussions um but I guess you just have to try and get on with life. And like I can't dwell too much on the fact that I've kind of ruined my body in some sense, but you do just have to get on with it and try and focus on the positives and seeing like how far you have actually come. Yeah, I think that that's a big thing. And I think that kind of even having gone through that and even having like repercussions, like really randomly, I like at 18, I was just like super sensitive to dairy. And so ever since I've just not really been able to eat dairy. And I, I always kind of think that that's kind of because I just wasn't eating like really anything for like almost a year. And it was just like, yeah, a year or two of just like really not feeding myself correctly and then struggling to kind of, you know, learn and try to educate myself on how to feed myself properly. And I think I try and just remind myself even to this day, just like whenever I do even start to compare myself a little bit to other people, I just think of, you know, my body's been through so much and it's still here today. And, you know, I'm, I've been able to do things like run a marathon and just things that I never thought my body could do even have given, given that like I've put it through so much. And like, you know, I still remember like really struggling with like my athleticism when I was like trying to get back, like after my eating disorder and kind of when I was starting to recover, cause my doctor had kind of said for six months, you can't do any sports, any exercise and basically ordered me not to do any of that stuff. And it was really hard because that was you know, a big component of not only my personality, but of my eating disorder as well is just like really over exercising. And like, so I used to have quite an unhealthy relationship with running. So it's kind of ironic that it's something that I really enjoy now. But I think I remember specifically, like when I was 
after that six month period of not exercising, and then I moved with my family to a new state and I was going to a new school and I was trying to get back into these sports that I used to play six months ago. And I specifically remember like trying out for the volleyball team and we'd be doing like crunches and like sprints in the gym. And I remember doing like crunches and just like you, everyone could hear my spine, like on the gym floor and just like things of like, you know, you've, I'd starved myself so much that like, you know, you could see all these like very prominent parts of my body in terms of just like my bone structure and just really in the end being able to see and kind of like be very quite frustrated with like even in soccer tryouts like envisioning myself and like my past self being able to get to from point A to point B a lot faster than I actually was and so I had just given up sports completely at that point for the rest of my high school which was another two years and it was sad because that was such a big part of who I was growing up and I kind of just had to give it up because I wasn't at the level of like athleticism that I used to be. And it was such a frustrating thing. But I think now I just realized that like, you know, recovery is kind of this, it's taken a lot longer than I thought it did, I think. And I think that it's something that like, I think it's also something that we kind of have to continue to think about. And I think that there are times of the year that you may start to have those thoughts again. Um, I never to like, the extent of like how bad they used to be, but definitely just like, oh, like, you know, it's the holiday season. I think that that's the, you know, biggest part of the year where people really struggle with eating. And I think it's just constantly reminding myself that like, you know, there were years in my past where these were a lot harder of seasons than they are now. And so I think just really being able to appreciate and like remind yourself of how far you've come and that, you know, you have, you know, a working body still and that it's still something that you're, you have to work at and you have have to keep, you know, trying to be as consistent as possible, even as hard as it may get on some days. Yeah, recovery is definitely a process. It, it's definitely not something that you don't just wake up one day and then you're like, oh, well, I'm fine now. I, I want to eat. I'm not going to exercise. Like it definitely doesn't work like that. But you do find that as you go throughout recovery, as you gain weight, as you start to socialize more and your focus on in life shifts from food and exercise to making memories, to going out, having fun, you know, relaxing, whatever it is that you want to do. You do find that the voices like the eating disorder voices quiet and down and they you might get still get the odd thought of you know especially like you said around the holiday season you might still get those thoughts of restriction and exercise but they they're not as loud the thoughts aren't as intrusive and eventually you get to that point where you don't even get those voices anymore and it can take years like we said at the start it can take so so long to recover fully but you know the initial part of recovery I think is the hardest part so once you've made that step you've committed to recovery it it should get easier from there. Yeah, I totally agree. And I guess my question is, if if anyone's listening now, that's kind of struggling, maybe not struggling with a full blown eating disorder, but maybe they are, what would like your tips be for someone that's kind of starting out in those very initial stages of recovery? Yeah, I think the number one tip I would give is to, it's kind of difficult. I think 
accepting that you have a problem and that you this needs to change is I think the first step really is just accepting that okay I do have an eating disorder and this is not a healthy way this is not the way I want to live my life and then asking for help and that can be such a difficult step because when you're in an eating disorder you, you don't really want help a lot of the time you're kind of scared to ask for help because you know what it means you know that it means you're gonna you're gonna have to eat more you're gonna have to not exercise but asking those around you for help or seeking professional help is 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 gonna help you a lot and like I think a lot of people would struggle to fully recover without some kind of external help um so yeah just asking those around you or asking for professional help is another tip and just building a support network so whether that is friends or family or just the people around you if you just let them know what you're going through or you don't have to tell them everything but just make them aware of the fact that you're struggling and having them there to speak to and to just voice your concerns to will really help especially as you go through recovery and things get a bit harder you might find you want to slip back into your old ways having them there and just knowing that you can speak to them about your your thoughts and um, it was really going to help definitely and something that I had mentioned in like a previous episode around some a question that I got around approaching a friend that you think has an eating disorder that was actually how I was able to begin my recovery process is that a really close friend of mine and this was so random we were like 15 16 like quite young she had texted me a link to a quiz like an online quiz that was like do you have an eating disorder essentially and I took the quiz for some reason even though I definitely wasn't wanting to ask for help at the time but basically like I took it and then I told her my score and then she told her mom who told my mom who was then able to kind of intervene and start the recovery process and I remember I was so mad at her at the time I don't know why I didn't think she was gonna go to her parents to go to my parents but like I just remember like being so mad at her for at least you know six months to a year but to this day it's something that I continually will go back and like reach out to her like at least once a year um just because we live in very different parts of the world now but it's just something that we can always catch up about because you know having those people that really were there for you during your worst and lowest points in life really is just something I think is so special and people that really helped kind of guide you and direct you on the right path it's something that I will continually thank her for because I just like I think of it and I'm like I don't know when I would have started to ask for help and I don't think I would have and so I think if people are listening and you know of someone that may be struggling be that person that kind of steps in you don't have to step in aggressively but just kind of being there and just really supporting them and coming in as someone that really just wants to help I think it's just something that can really change someone's life so positively a hundred percent and as as someone with an eating disorder if someone um tries to step in and help or like your friend told her mom who told your mom at the time you think why are you doing this why have you done this to me you think they're being horrible or they're trying to hurt you and then you look back and you realize that they cared so much that they wanted to help you and it's so difficult to accept that help when you are in an eating disorder but like that can like it was for you that can be the initial step to recovery. So just really try and accept the help if people are trying to give it to you. Definitely, definitely. And what you were touching on just around, you know, building a support network, I think is really important. And I think, you know, especially since we're all very virtual now, um, given the 
you know, conditions of the world at the moment. I think um, it can be really important and kind of finding accounts like yours, I think is really important. I remember like, even when I had first started following you um, and kind of found you in the podcast space, I think I, something that I really liked that I feel like really sets you apart from other podcasters is that you really do come on and just share these videos of yourself quite frequently just around, you know, even if it's just giving a quick note of like, Hey, everything's okay. And I think it's just really helpful. And I think that that's probably something that really resonates with a lot of your followers and people that listen to your podcast is just having someone online that even though you don't know them personally, they are posting something to kind of say, hey, whatever you're going through right now, it's okay. And you'll be okay. And just kind of, you know, try and take it one day at a time. So I, I just started kind of plugging your podcast and in, um, Instagram. So I'll kind of, I'll give you a chance now to kind of share about how people can get connected to you and where they can um, purchase your book as well. Because I think that that's something that is something that I definitely want to read oh amazing thank you yeah um my so my social well my podcast is called finding my fits it's on pretty much every podcast platform um anchor spotify apple google overcast i, I don't even know the names of the other ones but it seems it's on a lot of them <laughs> um my instagram for the podcast is finding my fit podcast i've also literally just today started a tiktok for my podcast and that's just finding my fit um i have a personal instagram which is is my name Athena Crilly. Um, I try and post kind of positive content on there as well. Um, and I also have a YouTube if people want to check that out. Um, so in terms of my book, it's available on Amazon. Um, it's either by Kindle or as a paperback. So I know some people prefer to have like a physical copy of a book. So um, yeah, it's available on Amazon. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I think it was just a very good and deep hearted conversation. And I think something that a lot of people will actually relate to just having had these conversations around things that people kind of may not feel so comfortable to have. Um, and I really do think that a lot of people will relate to it. And I know that we kind of like had this whole plan of what we wanted to speak about, but I feel like we just kind of got off track, but in a really, really great way. Um, so I really appreciate you coming on and just being very genuine. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a lovely chat. All right, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. I really do hope that you enjoyed it. And I will have Athena's details in the show notes as well as further resources around National Eating Disorders Awareness Week. I really do hope that you enjoyed the episode. And if you were able to connect with it in some way, I'd love to hear about it. Please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really supports the podcast as well as I will have a link in the show notes for Boston Children's Hospital to support me and my fundraising efforts for the London Marathon this year. I would love if you would check it out and donate if you can, but I do hope you enjoyed this episode and be on the lookout for the next two coming soon this week.